0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to episode number 42 of the official Redbird Rants podcast. I'm Michael Miles, one of the editors of Redbird Rants. We want to say a huge welcome to all of our listeners to our final inaugural season, our final episode of that season happening right now, the final episode of 2017. We will continue into 2018 but this is the last one of the year. And I am joined tonight by Dan Campbell. Dan, how are you doing?
2: Doing great, guys.
1: Good to have you on, Dan. Uh, how's the weather in your neck of the woods? Negative
2: 20 at last check. And the Windy oh, City man. is holding to its nickname. Oh, I got to tell you, that's uh,
1: that's rough. It's cold here, but not as cold as that. We're also joined, Dan, by...
0: Uh, Christian May Suzuki. CMS, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I mean, it's definitely not an 20 out here in L.A. I get to sit, enjoy Christmas <laughs> in wonderful in wonderful 60-degree weather, so I'm doing just fine.
1: Nice, nice. And we are also joined tonight by Nathan Grimes.
3: Nate, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I just got out of Chicago, actually, but uh, Indiana is home for me, so not much better, but at least I'm not <laughs> in the Windy City. So what's your temperature up there in Indiana? Um, it's, it's up and around zero. Wind probably in the negative still, but um, Indiana's good. Don't like being in Chicago for too long. No offense to Dan over there. Well, <laughs> uh, you know,
1: Dan holds down the fort just fine for us there in the uh, Cubs country. So we're always glad to yeah. have him on. Always glad to have all of you on. I'll tell you, here in Um, Far eastern Arkansas, all western Tennessee We are a balmy 17 degrees And uh, very cold for for this part of the country And uh, we woke up this morning with some frozen pipes Luckily we thawed them out before they could burst But I'll tell you what, it's uh, very interesting when you live in an old farmhouse And things are not quite what you expect them to be in the morning But guys, we've got a lot to cover on this, our final episode of the calendar year So let's dive in Start with you, Nathan. Uh, Let's talk about the hot stove as it relates to the Cardinals. Talk about the pickups, the Luke Gregerson, the Miles Miklas, the Marcelo Zuna, and talk to us about the departure Uh, of Steven Piscotti. Go ahead. What what do you think, Nathan?
3: Sure. Well, um, I know a lot of people think the hot stove offseason has been pretty slow recently, um, and I know we've had a lot of content on that on the website as of late, but I'm, you know, I'm about where, where I expected the Cardinals to be is where, is where they are at this point. Um, they have Marcelo Ozuna. That's, you know, that was target number two after Giancarlo Stanton, obviously, but you knew they were going to get a bat. I was a bit surprised with how, um, how quick that moved right after they figured out they wouldn't get Stanton. But then again, it makes sense and sees on the Marlins and the Marlins likely knew, um, you know, what, what they'd want from the Cardinals for Ozuna rather than Stanton. So, that makes sense. Um, still expecting the Cardinals to get some more bullpen, be- bullpen pieces, but Luke Gregerson is a start. Not expecting him to be the closer, um, but he'll be good for the back end of the pen for sure. Miles Mikolas is a really interesting pickup. I think it's it's a cheap, it's kind of like a low low risk, high reward signing is what I see it as. Obviously had lots of success overseas, um, has yet to have success in the major leagues, but he hasn't pitched in the MLB since. 2014 so if he can be in that rotation and um give you close to 200 innings and be be a starter that uh you know gives you quality starts kind of like maybe a, a lance winner or mike leak type last year for the cardinals that would be huge for the for for the cardinals to have miles michlis in that rotation and then to see guys like piscotti and Alednus Diaz leave it just goes to show you that you know nothing's guaranteed these are two guys that were knocking on the door of all-star campaigns a couple of years ago and Diaz did get an all-star nod and they were you know, they look to be futures, uh, future in the middle of the Cardinals lineup. And sad to see both of them go,
2: but hopefully it's uh, for the best for both of their careers. Hey, Dan, what are your thoughts? Well, I think the Cardinals have accomplished a lot this offseason. Middle of the order bat, check. Sure up the outfield defense. Check in a couple of ways. You add a goal Glover in left field and Marcelo Zuna. You move Tommy Pham to center field where I think most metrics even – undervalue his ability out there. You move Dexter Fowler to right field. I know there's been some talk about the quality of his arm in right field, but he's a guy who's been a center fielder his whole career. That transition to right field should be easy for him. It should be good for the Cardinals, and as long as he can hit the cutoff man, I don't really care that his arm is not as good as some others might be. You bolstered the bullpen by adding a veteran presence who has a track record of a ton of success. You know, it's interesting. We signed Luke Gregerson, coming off of maybe his worst season in the majors. It's like the Cardinals traded Gregerson, who came up with the Cardinals uh, in their farm system, to the Padres, and I believe the David Freeze deal, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but it could have been the Jake Westbrook deal, the three-team trade. I'm not sure, but they like traded away his best six years and then got him back at like his worst year. But the question is, okay, the Cardinals got this guy coming off of his worst year who has a great track record, whereas the Cubs, sort of our counterparts in our measuring stick for the offseason, got a guy who has had a terrible career riddled with injuries in Brandon Morrow and coming off of his best year and probably overpaid for him because of that. So would you rather have the guy who has one good season recently or a ton of good seasons with his last season being poor, who's a little bit older? And that's a question that will be played out over the season. And the third thing is the, the rotation really need to be shored up. We have a lot of upside in the rotation, but a lot of question marks also. And I think we got a guy in Miles Mikolas who was an innings eater who can help, you know, like Nathan said, fill that Lance Lynn, Mike Leake role. And I think he's going to do quite well at that. And evidently, he was coveted by a ton of teams this offseason. So I'm glad we got him because if a lot of major league teams are looking for the same guy, that guy probably has some talent. And I'm interested to see how he works out. Finally, the departures. Uh, you know, I think I'm a little disappointed because I really liked both Aledmus Diaz and Stephen Um, My disappointment stems in part because we sold low on both people. If you traded Aledmus Diaz after his all-Star campaign and finishing third in Rookie of the Year voting, I think his return would have been pretty pretty impressive compared to what, what his return actually was. Uh, I think the same is true for Piscotty. Of course, why would the team trade those players coming off of those years? It's only after a bad year that they considered moving those guys with the emergence of some other players. So I'm, I'm fine with the departures. I think we got a really good return for Piscati and added organizational depth in an area that we didn't previously have it, uh, and that being the middle infield. Uh, Diaz, I'm excited to see a fresh start in Toronto. And then overall, I'm excited to see what else the Cardinals do, because I think everybody on this podcast would agree that they're not done. And it's not clear what else they will do, but there are some other pieces that need to be added. And uh, I think they're going to do that, and I'm sort of getting my popcorn ready. So those are my thoughts.
1: And it's always really tough to follow Dan, so I'm, I'm sorry to do it to you. CMS, but go ahead and tell us what you think. And Dan, thank you so much for bringing up 11th Diaz. I actually have to admit, I had forgotten that we had sent him elsewhere. Uh, And and I want to respond to those things as well. And I'll get to that. But first Christian,
0: what are your thoughts? Uh, Well, um, despite how slow everything has gone, um, I'm actually quite glad in that the Cardinals haven't really panicked. Um, You know, they haven't really made that, sort of questionable signing that fills a role yet doesn't seem quite right. You know, the, the Brett Cecil's of the world. Um, all the deals have been pretty short or it's been an, obviously a guy like Marcelo Zuna who still has two more years of team control. Um, so in that case, they're not, they didn't panic after out out Stanton. They're not over pursuing people. They're just sort of taking their time and waiting for the correct moments to pop up. And, I mean, I think that's really good. Um, for In terms of the players in general, I think Gregerson is uh, – I mean, obviously, I think he'll – I don't know if he'll be the closer, but, I mean, I definitely think he'll be able to fill the back of – somewhere in the back of the rotation. Um, with Mikolas, I'm, I'm actually pretty confident in him because for a guy who can throw 98 – a lot of the times it's just a matter of getting the ball into the strike zone. And sometimes it's just a matter of being confident that you can get the ball in the strike zone, being confident in your abilities. Because especially with pitching, a lot of it is mental. So with a guy who's had a lot of success in Japan, who's had a sort of mental reset from his troubles in the MLB, I think, uh, I mean, with a guy with that kind of arm, uh, I think that can definitely be I think he definitely sort of – you know, recapture something and uh, be a good filler for us. But I do agree that there definitely still are some holes that need to be filled. Um, I think that unless you call up someone uh, like a, a Flaherty or a <clears throat> some of that nature, um, you don't exactly have the most shored up five-man rotation in the world. Um, you at this point you may be forced to put in like even like an Adam Wainwright as a fifth guy. Um, I think that the, perhaps getting maybe a fifth end starter might be good. Um, obviously, there's talks with the Rays about uh, certain people, as Archer call Colome, but um, even a back end starter or a middle end really middle mid, like middle of the road reliever. Uh, would be okay. Um, But as we said, um, the Cardinals aren't done yet. I'm glad that they're sort of pacing things and sort of taking this off season as it comes to them, instead of sort of forcing things and pulling a a move that they might regret. I think that's a, a really fantastic
1: point. Uh, Christian, the, the point of that they, that they weren't overly reactive when, when Stanton fell through. Uh, let me comment on, on these names pretty quickly. Uh, Luke Gregerson, I think, is a very solid pickup I was glad to see. I think that he at least introduces the idea of a competition for the closer role in spring training, which is probably something he needs, as well as others on the club. Uh, we had, you know, I had a piece today actually suggesting Adam Wainwright, serving the role of closer as he did back in 2006 uh, as a way to elongate his career. We have an article coming out um, tomorrow about the closer role being served by Alex Reyes, uh, by one of our writers. It's a really great piece. We're, we've held it until tomorrow, it's going to be wonderful coming out. You know, and, and so I think that Gregerson ac- actually introduces the competition, which is something that the Cardinals have, benefited from in years past at spring training. In terms of Miklas, I'm really interested to see that we picked up him, you know, coming over. And as Dan said, he was being coveted by many teams. And I I agree with you, Dan. I think that just shows that he's not a, a slough off pick. He is somebody who was ready to come back to MLB, come back to the States. A lot of people were interested and we, We picked him up to be a a, a number five starter, and from all indications, Mo has said he will in fact be in the rotation. At the same time, Mo has said as well that Wainwright will be in the rotation, and uh, I don't know if that's lip service to you know your your stalwart leader of men or or not. So uh, you have to take that with a grain of salt. Um, I also was really really excited to see the Cardinals make the move to pick up Marcelo Ozuna from the Marlins. I think that he changes the dynamic of the team in a way that anybody being picked up into that spot would have. As an example, had the Cardinals picked up Stanton, they would have suddenly become a home run hitting team again, looking at that only. What we have now is a power hitter in the middle of the lineup who can mash his fair share of home runs, but who also has the power to just hit gap to gap. And that I think will allow them to do so much more than if you just picked up a power slugger. Uh, and, and in terms of adding Ozuna to the outfield, I, you've got an unstoppable outfield. Now you've got Tommy Pham who showed last season that he should be your center fielder and will be this season. You're going to put Ozuna and left, who that's where he's been playing. And he does an, an exceptional job there. And then you're going to move Fowler to right. And let's be honest, Fowler's arm is going to be just as serviceable and right as Gritchick's arm was. And so you've got those things going for you. In terms of losing to Scottie and Aladmiz Diaz, I, I sort of want to disagree just a little with you, Dan. I, I don't know that we necessarily sold too low on them. I think that as we're seeing the market develop right now, with a lot of free agents just laying out there without homes even at this point, I think that we got what we could get for them. They probably weren't going to bring anything more than what they did. And at least in this regard, both players get to go somewhere where they have more of a future than had they stayed within the Cardinals organization. And certainly the Piscotti trade was one of, you know, filled with heartstrings. The Diaz trade was one that he had nowhere to go. We had nothing else to do with him. And quite honestly, as serviceable as he was, I just don't think that we need four to five super utility players, which is essentially what we have on the infield going into 2018. And that may well change in the coming days, as many of you have hinted at. Well, those were some really great topics to kick us off. What I'd like to do now is we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the potential remaining free agents who are out there, as well as remaining trades that the Cardinals could be involved in. We're going to talk about the likes of Wade Davis, Eric Hosmer, Chris Archer, and maybe even Mike Moustaka. So stick with us. You are listening to the 42nd episode of the official Redbird Rants podcast. on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Thanks for sticking with us. You are listening to the official Redbird Rants podcast. This is episode number 42. It is our final episode of the 2017 calendar year, and we've got a great slate of of writers with us tonight. We have Dan Campbell, Nathan Grime, and Christian May Suzuki, and I'm Michael Miles, one of the editors at Redbird Ranch. Guys, let's dive into two topics at one time. Let's talk about the free agents that the St. Louis Cardinals could be looking at, as well as any trades that the Cardinals may be looking at as the calendar is about to turn to 2018, let's talk about the likes of Wade Davis, Eric Hosmer, Mike Moustakas, Chris Archer, Alex Colomay, and any other name that might interest you. And let's start with you, Christian, this time around, and just talk to us about what you see coming up on the 2018 horizon.
0: Well, um, I don't, first off, I'd like to say that um, a guy like Eric Hosmer, a guy like Mike Moustakas, Uh, I really don't think it's necessary because I think a lot of people are sort of sleeping on forgetting uh, Jose Martinez. I think that he patrolled very well at first base. Um, He had some pretty – he had a decent – a comparable – what is it – range factor uh, to Hosmer. So, I mean – and he definitely hit very well uh, last year. He hit three oh nine. Uh, and he can definitely continue to improve. So in terms of short term, I don't think there's any need to for the huge contract that a guy like Hosner or a guy like Moustakas is going to cost when you have guys like De when you have a guy like Yorko, when you have guys like Martinez who maybe won't put up quite the production but will put up similar levels of production for much, much, much cheaper. Now, the, the names that are interesting me a little bit more are the, the pitch, on the pitching side, as you said, the Wade Davis, the Chris Archer, and the Colome. Uh I would be very intrigued. I mean, there hasn't been too much word in terms of Davis that, I am, that I've heard of. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong after I'm done. So, I mean, it definitely still seems like it's very up in the air uh, where Davis is going. But, I mean, that would definitely be I – think, I think that's definitely the number one option you would go for as the Cardinals right now. I think I wrote about it a while ago, having an anchor, having someone who is a very solid, dependable closer, someone you can really trust, it alleviates a lot of pressure from the rest of the bullpen. They can, under, they can sort of just go out and do their jobs, not have to worry about getting shifted around. Not have to worry about being forced to be put in high, higher leverage situations than they're used to uh, at the snap of a finger, you know, uh, things that like Brett Cecil was complaining about last year. So, getting a guy like Wade Davis without having to give up assets, just using the, mo- the type of money that we would have given to Stanton and obviously still having plenty left over, I think that, I mean, even if you have to overpay a little bit, it's still nothing compared to what they were willing to pay for a Giancarlo Stanton. Um, so getting a, a talented player like Wade Davis, who could definitely have a, a, a very, very huge impact on the team, uh, I think that, I mean, if you can do it, then that's definitely the number one option. I think that, like uh, everyone's been saying, like uh, the article set that Dr. Miles put out, um, I do not think that Adam Wainwright should start this year. At the same time, unless you call up a guy who I don't really think is ready, a la like a Flaherty or a Hudson, I mean, I just don't think those, like I said, I just don't think those guys are quite ready to start yet. They they had somewhat decent outings in their last, at the, toward the end of the year for the Cardinals this, this past season. But, I mean, the control wasn't quite there yet. They definitely have the stuff, but, I mean, you you can't have – Someone with, uh, I mean, I mean, if you want to have someone with that kind of shaky control, develop, um, you should develop them in the minor leagues and allow them a little bit more, you know, cushion, so that they don't get so down on themselves. They can build up a little momentum, build a little confidence in themselves in game time situations. You don't want uh, your younger players to have to be put in a situation where they're just getting clobbered again and again. <clears throat> And I think that that would be the, the situation you would end up having if you put a guy like Flaherty or like Hudson in the rotation. So getting a guy like Chris Archer or even just getting a fifth starter uh, is definitely the second option if you don't get if you can't get uh, if you can't get Davis. And Colomay is another underrated option where it would be a little bit disappointing because it's definitely he's definitely not the. The, you know, the star, he doesn't have the, quite the star power, quite the, the upside that the other two guys had. But he's a very quiet, you know, very quiet producer uh, on a team that doesn't really get a lot of recognition. So, I mean, he would definitely be a very, very, very good option. But I would definitely only really push for him if you can't get Chris Archer or if you can't get Chris Archer and if you can't get Wade Davis. Really good points,
1: especially that point where you said you agreed with Dr. Miles in the article he just posted, because that, that takes the cake right there. Nathan, <laughs> your turn. What do you think about those names laying out there that the Cardinals could or should go after?
3: Yeah, well, I think it's most likely that they're going to get a closing pitcher before this off season is over. And I think really the only two names that um, that have been connected to the Cardinals and the only two that I foresee – Um, you know, to continue to be connected are, have already been mentioned, Alex Colomay and then Wade Davis. Um, With Colomay, you have to weigh how many prospects are you going to give up for a closing pitcher, and would that be part of a deal with maybe a Chris Archer or somebody else? And then with Wade Davis, it's, well, how much are you going to bid for a free agent like that because he's coming off a great year with the Cubs, and you know there's going to be lots of teams in on Wade Davis, probably already have been and um, he's likely to sign pretty soon for a hefty amount of money. So it's either money or prospects when it comes to signing a closer, but I do expect the Cardinals to get a closer. Another name that I haven't um, heard too much of um, surrounding the Cardinals is Addison Reed. He was uh, He's bounced around a little bit in his career, but he's had some experience as a closing pitcher. He played for the Mets and the Red Sox last season. Big strikeout guy out of the pen. He's got good stuff. Um, you know, if, if things fall through with Wade Davis and the asking price for Colome is too high, um, maybe expect the Cardinals to go after a guy like Addison Reed to shore up that back end of the bullpen and perhaps even be the closer in 2018. Besides the closing pitching um, position, I, think, I do think that the Cardinals are going to need to add another bat to make the presence of Marcelo Zuna even more impactful. Um, I wrote a a piece about a week ago um, pleading for the Cardinals to go after Eric Hosmer. I think that'd be a perfect pickup for them. They things you get Carpenter to bounce around even more as a utility player, as you know the Cardinals want him to do. Um, but I think it's going to be either a first baseman or a third baseman. Mike Moustakis is also a free agent uh, recently with the Royals, as Eric Hosmer is. So maybe Moustakis, maybe Hosmer, one of the two from the left side. Um, Cardinals could use a, a left-handed power hitter. In that lineup um, to complement Ozuna, and I think that would just make Ozuna better, and it would and it would make either Hosmer or Mustakis even better if they're in a lineup um, in the three and four spots with Marcelo Zuna. And then when it comes to starting pitching, um, you know the names out there. You've got you Darvish out there, Jake Arrieta. Um, I, I kind of see Arrieta as perhaps a dark horse. I don't really see it likely that the Cardinals go after him, but he does have some connections. He's familiar with the National League Central division. Um, as he's played with the Cubs the last few years. Uh, good friends with Matt Carpenter. That's been well documented. So maybe you see the Cardinals throw their hat in the ring for Arietta, But besides that, um, just to comment on um, on Adam Wainwright, whether he should or shouldn't be in the rotation, I think it's really a foregone conclusion that he will be, just because of his track record. He's had two subpar seasons, but really last year was even worse than 20, 2016. So I don't think the Cardinals are ready to just give up on him just like that and put him in the closers role or put him in the bullpen or anything like that. So expect to see Adam Wainwright in the starting rotation. And they really do have one through five set. There are a lot of question marks, and I know we're going to be talking about that later on the episode, so I'll save that for later. But those are my thoughts on uh, free agents and potential trades. I see more likely for the Cardinals to get free agents um, at at those positions I mentioned than pull off another blockbuster deal like the Ozuna trade. But anything could happen, as we've seen not a lot happen so far. So um, expect the Cardinals to get active and busy here in the month of January. Very great points,
1: Nathan, really great. The one thing you missed out on was praising your editor. But we're going to let that <laughs> one slide because CMS really tried to set the the bar high for you. I, I will say it's going to be really really interesting to hear from – from Dan, because you had mentioned that maybe the Cardinals should look at a Mike Moustakas. And Dan's got a a great slideshow piece on redbirdrants.com right now about avoiding Moustakas. So, so Dan, why don't you take it from there?
2: Well, yeah, a couple of things. I don't want to rehash what everyone's already said, but I'll tell you right now the real loser of this offseason is Scott Boris's clients. I think Scott Boris has played this off worse than he ever has in his entire existence as an agent. You know, he's a wait the market out type of guy, and I think what we're seeing is teams are saying, "No." One of the most powerful words a team can say. If you've, if anyone's not checked out the big chair by Ned Coletti, which gives you sort of an inside glimpse of the GM position, it's uh, it's worth the read and the the few shekels that it costs to uh, to get it. Um, really good book. But one of the most powerful things that a team can say to an agent demanding big dollars is no. And that's going to be beneficial to teams uh, when the calendar turns. So I think you're going to see a guy like Davis having a lot of trouble getting a fourth year. Uh, And if he is available for a three-year deal, even at a high AAV, the Cardinals should pounce on that. Um, That cost is less than, in my opinion, although I know our other editor, Tito, disagrees and wrote a great article on this, is less than the acquisition cost of getting a Colomay. Not to mention the Rays may find other outfield options more palatable than, say, a Randall Gritchick that we could give them because outfielders are going to be beaten down by the market as well. So I I think the signing of another reliever is what's going to happen. I don't think you're going to see a trade for a Colomay. I certainly don't think you're going to see a blockbuster that involves Archer, primarily because Archer does not get traded to the Cardinals without Alex Reyes going to the Rays, uh, at a minimum. That's the starting point, point. and I don't think the Cardinals can stomach that. And honestly, I don't think they should. Um, I've kind of turned on this. As to the bats that are available, Moustakis and Hosmer. Uh, you know, I wrote an article about avoiding the moose, uh, Moustakis' nickname, The guy has a lot of power, and he had sort of a breakout year in the power department, hitting 38 home runs, which is a Royals franchise record. However, his on-base percentage is just not good. He's like a career 305 on-base guy in seven seasons. He's incredibly slow. He hits into a ton of double plays, and he's a detriment defensively. He's not good defensively. He also doesn't play anywhere except third base. So I don't think he's any better than Jed Jerko, who most people know I'm not in love with, but I don't think he improves the team. So I'm a pass on him. I don't understand why people are so hard on Eric Hosmer. I understand that, you know, he's had inconsistency in his career, but he had one of the best years of any player offensively last year, and it can't be ignored. It's odd to me that people always criticize Hosmer saying, oh, the last year his breakout year is an aberration yet everybody's excited and I think rightfully so about Marcelo Zuna who had a breakout year last year and the rest of his career has not been that superstar level so I'm like okay what where's the rub here the guys are basically the same player they're the same age only Hosmer has had more success albeit inconsistently so I don't understand why people are all down on him I do understand that he's not the best fit for the Cardinals because he's a first baseman where Matt Carpenter is going to play. And I think Carpenter is a better offensive player. And he's fine defensively at first base. So I don't want to pay over $100 million for Hosmer just because he's young. I mean, I think that's Jason Hayward all over again. The reports are that the Padres offered Hosmer 6-120. and 120. He should take that immediately. And Boris should be fired for not demanding that he take it because he's not going to do better than that, in my opinion. And why not go play in sunny California over by CMS where the weather is evidently 60 degrees, which is 80 degrees higher than it is in Chicago. Um, I don't think you're going to see a big trade to the Cardinals necessarily. I saw that the Cubs are potentially in on Machado now with reigniting those talks. I don't think the Blue Jays are going to move Donaldson. I think the Orioles and the Blue Jays are making incredible mistakes. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with those teams, but you cannot in this day and age, and especially in the division they play in, let all-star players walk with no return. And essentially, with the change in the collective bargaining agreement, the qualifying offer equates to no return. You get a sandwich pick at best. And so that's not – I mean, you got to trade those guys if you don't think you can contend. If those th- teams think they can contend, they both do the same thing as the Yankees, and that's hit home runs, and they don't do it as well. And they don't have the bullpen, and they don't have the same rotation or, ro- or organizational depth. So why they think they can compete is beyond me, but they can't, and so they should sell. Um, but they're not going to do it for some reason, so it's odd. I, I don't see – Any big trades coming to the Cardinals? I don't see another bat coming to the Cardinals, although I think the Cardinals should need one. Uh, the, The last thing that I'll talk about is there's been a lot of, you know, back and forth, you know, should we trade two major league ready pitchers with 12 years of control for one year of a Machado or a Donaldson? And it's odd to me that there's so much consternation over those points when one, Not all of these pitchers can make the big league squad and pitch. There are not enough spots. And the Cardinals have so much faith in their young pitchers that they have gone out and acquired a free agent this year to be in the rotation. They've guaranteed that Wainwright will be in the rotation, um, however you feel about that. They've done those things. So there's not a lot of faith in a Flaherty, and I don't think he's ready. So are they going to (laughs) – you know, make a big splash. If you're trying to talk about trading years of control for a rental, I get it, and I understand your points. But we traded four players, really high-level prospects for the most part, for two years of Ozuna. So I'm I'm fine with you having a problem with dealing lots of control for short-term players. But you're, you traded 24 years of control for a two-year player, but you're not willing to trade 12 years – For a one-year player, it's a bit odd to me. I don't understand it as much as, you know, some people who are okay with Ozuna but not okay with a Donaldson or a Machado who would, I think, vault this team over the Cubs as the favorites in the Central. And the last comment I'll make is even if we stopped right now, and I think the Cardinals do need to add a closer, and they should absolutely go get a Davis or even a Holland I would be okay with, The Cardinals have had a much better offseason than the Chicago Cubs. They have leaped forward with their moves this offseason, and the Cubs have at best, and this is giving them all the credit in the world, stayed the same. I mean, they're counting on Kyle Schwarber eating a few less donuts this offseason and claiming he's going to be a gold-glove defender to improve their team. There's still only four people in that rotation, and I'm not that excited about Tyler Chatwood. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people are. I'm not. So, uh, you know, I think the Cardinals are doing fine. I think they can do better. And I I encourage them to make a bold move. I just don't think realistically it will happen. Doc, what do you think?
1: Man, I got to tell you, uh, I'm a little disappointed that you said that you praised the other editor and, and failed to praise me. But I'll let that go because I have to agree with what you said that his article was a really great piece put out there. Let me say the following there are really only two names left that actually interest me. Now, yes, I would be thrilled if the Cardinals could somehow get Chris Archer. I would be thrilled if the Cardinals could land an Alex Colomé. But I find myself asking the exact same questions that you brought up, Dan, in terms of what we would have to give up of control to get someone who is under the control of another team at this point. Having already given up so many years of control and prospects, Uh, But we know that's the business. We know that's what has to happen. And I want to say this about Ozuna, and then I'm going to go back to the two names that really interest me. But the Ozuna piece, I think, is a gamble on more than two years. With the relationship that Ozuna has with Yadier Molina and Carlos Martinez, something that was very well prominent during the all-star break of this last season, I think the Cardinals are banking that maybe at the end of this season Ozuna will have fallen in love with St. Louis and the team and the promise that Mike Matheny will no longer be the manager after 2018, and they can convince him to be extended a little bit longer and get more than just two years of control. Now, I'm just trying – that's reading into tea leaves. I know nothing definitively about that. Let me go to the two names that actually interest me, and actually both of these you guys have said. The first is Greg Holland. And by the way, also, both of these are free agents. And the only reason that I'm interested in these guys is because they would completely fill that need for closer and do it in a way that only costs money, not loses any other prospects. And, and we know that the St. Louis Cardinals, the organization, will have plenty of money in 2018 with the new uh, television deal coming, with Ballpark Village 2 coming, all of those things. DeWitt has deep pockets. Greg Holland interests me for one reason, and that is the fact that the Rockies gave him a great offer, and this was back on the 13th of December, and it's been crickets since then. Now, I'll tell you, he is a Boris client, and we know Boris wants top dollar and wants it today. And I don't know if they're holding out for big money. I don't really know what the offer was from the Rockies, but I remember back on December 13th that the Rockies put a very respectable and good offer on the table, so said uh, MLB trade rumors, and we haven't heard anything about Holland since then. The second name in the free agent market is, uh, Christian, I think you brought him up, and that's Reed. Um, When we did the mock winter meetings with the fan-sided Uh, editors playing gms addison reed was actually the first name that i shot after and i sent we had to send an email to a fictitious arbiter who would look at all of the free agents and see and i suggested for addison reed who by the way is not managed by scott boris uh, he is actually with Wasserman Media Group or his agents, and I suggested four years at thirty-six million. Four years, four years of control, thirty-six million for an Addison Reed. That's actually exactly what MLB trade rumors suggested he would probably pick up. And what I was told is that had we made that offer, we could have him at that offer. We actually didn't make that offer, and I don't remember who landed Addison Reed in the mock meetings. I'd have to look it up, but I don't think they got in for anything more than those four years, $36 million. I mean, wow. Can you imagine picking up a closer who may not serve as closer for the entirety of the four years, may not even stay in St. Louis for those four years, but you'd have four years of control at the back end of the bullpen, something that would really be a great pickup. So – Jumping to conclusions. I'm okay if the Cardinals don't go after anybody from Tampa because we're going to have to give up some more prospects. And I'm okay if they don't get anybody big outside of their uh Arietta, I'd be fine with, but I'm not I'm not excited to go buy a, a jersey of him and you uh, Darvish I would be very glad to pick up. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the other clubs will outbid them on that. But I think they should absolutely be picking up the phone today and calling Greg Holland, and they should be picking the phone and calling Addison Reed. I think those are the ways to go. So, guys, let's move on to the next topic. Let's talk about the 2018 rotation of the St. Louis Cardinals. How do you have it stacking up? Many of you have already mentioned about Adam Wainwright, and I think that we have to unfortunately agree that at this point Moselech has said he will be a starter and I kind of agree with you guys too I have no problem giving him the chance to be a starter uh, but I I think you got to give him a short leash that's just my take on that but let's start uh, let's start with you Nathan talk to us about the 2018 rotation
3: yeah well I, I mentioned earlier that I think while one through five is set right now I think really the only thing that you're The only pitcher you're really confident in is Carlos Martinez. It seems that he's going to get an opening day start in New York. It'll be his second consecutive opening day start. Um, Expect him to progress this year even more. He had a a good season last season, um, but I think he can do even better. I know he thinks he can do even better, and the organization thinks Carlos Martinez can do even better. Expect him to really come into his own this season in the Cardinals rotation. Behind him, you've got Adam Wainwright, who's going to be in the rotation. Miles Nicholas, who's all but going to be in the rotation. Let's see how he pitches in spring training, of course. Luke Weaver seems like he's ready to go. At least that's what the organization is indicating at this point. And then you've got Michael Walker who's kind of a forgotten middleman. But he had he, – he stuck through 30-plus starts last season, did not land on the disabled list after having shoulder troubles three of the past four seasons. Um, Whether or not he's going to ever be able to pitch 200 innings or not, or if the Cardinals are going to have to protect him a little bit, as they did last season, uh, remains to be seen. Um, I kind of expect them to go the latter route and, um, you know, bank on 30 starts rather than 33, 34 starts, and more like 170, 180 innings rather than closer to 200. But if they can get that out of Michael Walker, if they can get a, a duplicate year out of Michael Walker next season, as they did in 2017, I think that's going to be a success and that's going to be a really key part to the rotation. Uh, Luke Weaver, there doesn't need to be too big of expectations for him, I don't think, because you have depth, organizational depth behind him. And Jack Flaherty, yes, he didn't have his, uh, the greatest debut in September, but you know he can pitch on the big stage, as he has already. And I think his, uh, his second cameo in the major leagues, whenever it comes this season, will be better than his first. And you've got uh, guys behind him. You've got Alex Reyes, who, um, you know, by summertime at least, uh, seems like he'd be ready for a rotation spot. Um, whether that's going to be in AAA or in St. Louis remains to be seen, but um, that could be a huge addition for the Cardinals um, in the summertime to a rotation if if it's needed. Um, Adam Wainwright, he's going to be in the rotation. Um, I, I think that health would be the thing that would preclude him from the rotation more than performance. I think the Cardinals are going to stick with him because they stuck with him all last year when he was when he was healthy, at least, you know, through some ugly starts, but he was still getting the ball every fifth day. And I expect that to continue, honestly. And I'm excited to see Miles Mikolas pitch. Um, just looking at statistics, obviously, overseas, looks like he's got good stuff, reading scouting reports, um, good stuff, and uh, well sought after free agent, as has been mentioned on the show already. So excited to see him pitch. Lots of upside in this rotation, but a lot of question marks, and those are going to be – Start to be answered uh, in spring training, but I don't really expect the Cardinals to add a starting pitcher. I expect them to ride with those five names that I mentioned.
1: Yeah, great point, um, Dan. What do you think about the rotation?
2: Well, Nate is right about the five. I don't think there's really any room for debate about who the five will be, barring some major acquisition, which, as we just covered, I don't think is going to happen. So those are the five. Um, I I have a lot of – I'm a big believer in Michael Walker, I always have been. I think last year was sort of a stepping stone to what this year will be a return to dominance, in my opinion. I think he will ascend as the number two on this team as he should. His stuff is good enough, and he proved last year that he can stay healthy for a 30-start season. We're going to look for him to go deeper into games. As Nate said, get closer to that 180 number, maybe that 200 number, if at all possible. I'm bullish on Wainwright. I know most people aren't. I look for him to be a candidate for comeback player of the year, which I'm going to pen a piece on that soon. Uh, right yeah. around the new year, you'll see that. Um, I, I'd like him, uh, trending towards what Chris Carpenter did in 2009 in his age 34 season. I know Wainwright's a little older, but, um, I just, I don't want to bet against Adam Wainwright and I don't think people should. The other, the other consideration for him being in the, in the rotation is the guy's making 20 million bucks next year. So, I mean, he's not going to be a reliever unless he has to be a reliever because he's making 20 million bucks. So, um, I'm interested to see what we have in Michaelis. I hope Martinez takes another step forward. And, uh, you know, I'm fine with Luke Weaver. Uh, it surprises me there are so many question marks about some of the younger guys like Weaver. I, I don't think Flaherty's ready, um, I, but Weaver and Reyes, there are a lot of question marks. I know some of those have to do with health, but it's odd to me when we talk about how valuable our prospects are, and we don't expect those guys to slot in at least as a number five in a rotation. I mean, if, you, if those young guys, where they are in their careers now, aren't ready to be at least number fives, then maybe they would be better off traded to another team. I know not all people think that, but I'm excited to see what Luke Weaver can do over a full season. I have a feeling that he's not quite as good as Shelby Miller was when he was with us. Uh, Larry, I know, disagrees with me. And uh, Larry, I believe, will be proven wrong, as he usually is when he disagrees with me. Um so I'm excited about the rotation. I think it's solid. I think more depth in the bullpen will make it better. And so I'm hoping to see a move there. But uh, the rotation, to me, is pretty set, and I'm fine with it. I, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty solid, and I think it's better than the Cubs, and I think it's better than the other rotations in the National League Central. I mean, the Giovanni Gallardo and the Juan or Julius Chassin signings from Milwaukee – don't really scare me, guys, I have to be honest with you. So I, I like our rotation in our division, which is the most important place for it to be solid. So th- that's my take. CMS, what do you have?
0: Uh, I mean, I definitely agree with you, Dan, in that, I mean, it's you can't really make a debate for the five. I mean, there's no, as you guys have mentioned, uh, there's no one really behind those five guys that are actually ready for it. The major leagues. I mean, Flaherty is still 22, needs some time, clearly. Hudson is still very young. Reyes is obviously still very young and coming off the injury, so they're going to need time. What I will contrast you on, though, is sort of Adam Wainwright's position. Now, I do get, yes, he is getting paid the $19.5 million, and that's definitely something to consider. But as you mentioned, um, it's it's going to be a matter of he's not going to be forced to the bullpen uh, unless it's an entirely necessary move. And as, as much as I love the guy, I mean, as much as, you know, as much as I've watched him and as, as much as I believe in him, as much as I've loved him, Father Time is undefeated. And Achilles injuries are, make it even more difficult to fight Mr. Father Time. Um, he is getting up there in age. Um, He's trending down. It it sort of just seems like it's time. And I think I do not to toot his horn again, but, I mean, I really do agree with Dr. Ma's position that at the end of the day, I think to finish his career, Wainwright would better better serve as a sort of a bullpen presence, a possible closer, someone who can, you know, really bring the team together when it needs to the most. Uh, But, yeah, it doesn't have to sort of pitch – you know, seven, eight innings in you know, every game in a regular season, someone who we we can preserve. Um, I think that obviously Wainwright will start as the number five starter, but I'm really, really, really hoping that it's only until one of the three guys that we mentioned, Flaherty, Reyes, or hudson which I think it'll end up being Flaherty, but I'm hoping it's just a sort of a stopgap until one of those guys is ready to be that number five starter. And then I'm hoping that Wainwright will be able to transition into that bullpen role. Because at the end of the day, I really – I do love the guy. And I know I'm sort of swimming with the crowd here, but, I mean, he just has not quite looked like Adam Wainwright. He sort of looks like a shell since that Achilles injury. And, I mean, father father time is one tough son of a bitch. So, I mean, you can't you, – no, no one. There's nothing you can do at some at, at some point, no matter how talented you are. And I mean, at 36, I think it might just be time. Well, I have to tell you, uh, there's two major comments here.
1: One of them is you may always praise your editor. Anytime time you want. Um, that, that always earns you some kudos and a much faster uh, read of your article um, or a much deeper read to make sure that they are really golden. The other piece that I want to make a comment to is something that you said, Dan, and that is that Larry would disagree with you and be wrong. Larry's just wrong whether he agrees or disagrees with you. We needed to make sure that was clearly stated since Larry's not here to defend himself. Uh, to the question at hand, the rotation, I, I think you guys are, are exactly right. We've got a solid five. Uh, I also hope that Wainwright is the comeback player of the of the year, but I'm, I'm like, like Christian. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and I can tell you, Wainwright's 36, I'm 37, and I don't know that I could throw – now, I'm not conditioned like he is either, so let's just put that out there. But I don't know that I could go out and do – What a starting pitcher would be expected to do At this age And um, I'm amazed When I see somebody like an Adam Wainwright At 36 Doing what he is
2: doing period
1: That being said I also recognize the limits That my body has reached At this age as father time is As Christian so well pointed out Knocking heavily And winning every time He knocks That being said I also want to mention that I'm as high on Walker as you guys are. I think this is going to be his season. I think we started to see glimpses of that in 2017 and he's ready to blow up now in 2018 with a little bit. I don't know if it's self-assuredness or that the team's going to back him. I'm not really sure what it is, but I just predict that this is going to be a great season for Michael Walker. Now, I also would like to say that what will start as a great season for Michael Walker will end by the trade deadline because he will become the piece that will have a lot of value for the Cardinals to go grab somebody to really shore up that rotation. And I think that that's going to be really, really important because by that point, Reyes will be either ready or securely entrenched in the bullpen. And the Cardinals will be looking for, some kind of splash and Michael Waka is going to give you the fuel to make that splash. Uh, I meant what I said in the piece I wrote about Wainwright. I think he would be far better served and would far better serve the Cardinals as the closer or in some kind of bullpen capacity. I have no problem with him competing in spring training for a starting spot with one potentially even guaranteed to him coming out of the gate. But I think you have to have a very short leash. And if he cannot perform, then you put him in the pen or you make him the closer. And I'm, I'm just – I meant what I said when, when I wrote the piece. Everybody thinks of a closer as a fireballer, and while that typically is true, imagine how confused batters would be if you walk up there and you're having to face an 89-mile-an-hour fastball and then a 72-mile-an-hour 12-to-6 curve. there's just no way they will have been ramped up because you could, you could put your fireballer as your setup, man, have them be, have them see an entire inning of 100 mile an hour pitches and then see nothing but slow stuff. They won't be able to hit it. And if they do hit it, they'll hit it off the end of the bat and it will be easy out. And I just think that is the way that Adam Wainwright wright survives beyond 2018. Now, that being said, Let's talk about what the potential opening day lineup is for the Cardinals. But before we do, let's take one quick last break. You are listening to the final episode of the inaugural season of the official Redbird Rants podcast on Blog Talk Radio. Stick with us. Thanks for sticking with us. This is the 42nd episode, the final episode of the 2017 calendar year of the official Redbird Rants podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. It's been a great, great year. And, guys, let's dive in. Let's talk about the opening day lineup as you see it. We really only have about seven minutes left, so let's kind of roll through this if we can. CMS, kick us off. How do you think the lineup is going to be, the batting lineup?
0: Uh, Well, um, it's really honestly kind of tough to say that it's – I mean – I don't think it's going to change all that much from what it was last year, so I guess I'll just go right into it. Uh, I mean, I, I really don't like Fowler as a leadoff. Um, I would like Carpenter to be the leadoff, the old Carpenter. Um, but I guess uh, either of those two will end up most likely being the leadoff, um, either that or the one-two. Um, I think that the middle of the lineup will be, obviously, you'll have Ozuna in there. Um, I think you'll have Pham. And I think you'll probably end up with maybe even a Colton Wong as a five, Jed Jerko as a six, um, something of that nature. Um, Obviously, you have, I mean, there's a lot of, you got a lot of decent depth, too, um, at certain positions. You have, of course, the, famous Greg Garcia special that um for some reason Matheny loves so so much. Uh you got Voigt, you got Martinez, um I mean there you've got Grichuk. I think there are there's just a variety of different options that you can go with. Um so I think that it will probably end up being a rather uh unstable lineup as it kinda was last year.
1: All right, Uh, Dan, thoughts on the lineup?
2: Yeah, I've got uh, my quick notes say Carp, Pham, Fowler, Ozuna, DeYoung, Jorko, Molina, and Wong. Um, Although I'm okay with flipping and flopping on Molina and Jorko. And I think DeYoung, who may have, you know, a little trouble finding the same success as last year, is an option to be flipped lower into the lineup depending on how he performs, but he certainly should be the protection for Ozuna at least starting the year. I also understand the argument for putting Fowler fourth and Ozuna third, but I love Fowler's OBP in front of Ozuna as, a, as the run creator. So I like your three best on base guys, all three capable of putting up a 400 on base percentage in front of Ozuna. Um, and then you've got your boppers right behind them and, you know, Mr. Consistency, Yadier Molina, right down there, uh, anchoring the bottom half of that lineup. I think Wong succeeds the most when there's less pressure and he's batting eighth. He gets walked a lot there, which puts him on the bases. And our pitchers can hit a little bit. Uh, Wainwright, with his silver slugger, uh, will be happy to tell you about how well they can hit. So I like Wong being on base in the eighth spot more and wreaking havoc on the base paths and having less pressure, so that's my uh sort of quick one through nine
1: yeah, and very quickly, let me just say this uh, I think that Wainwright's bat is going to be one of the things that will p- for sure keep him in the in the starting rotation uh c m s your your lineup
0: uh I actually already went um. Do we have anyone else? I'm sorry. I couldn't remember if you had gone or if Nate had gone. I was actually having another
3: <laughs> yeah, conversation yeah, no. off
0: to the side. So my
1: apo- my apologies, Nate. Your turn. You tell us about the lineup.
3: That's all right. No hard feelings. I'll actually save you some time anyways because I have the exact same lineup written down as Dan had, one through nine. Um, that is, of course, if the Cardinals don't add a bet, um, I'll just rehash, use my time here to rehash. If they add a bat, I think the middle of that lineup looks a lot more scary with Sam Fowler, Ozuna, and then maybe like a Hosmer or Moustakas because then you put a lot less pressure on Paul DeYoung and Jed Jerko to be true middle of the lineup bats, and you can shift them down one into like the six and seven spots instead. Awesome, you guys. I I just want to add that uh, a couple
1: things. One, I don't even know if Greg Garcia is with this team in 2018. Uh, Two, I'm wondering if a sleeper power bat for us is the Tyler O'Neal who is laying out in
3: in Memphis
1: and uh, maybe we see him come up and service the, the lineup as well. Okay. some some just one or two rapid fire questions, actually just one I'd love for us, uh, actually two questions. So let's go around the, go around the horn, just quick, very, very fast. Uh, New year's resolution. Go Nate.
3: New year's resolution. Um, Ah, wow. right. At least once a week. <laughs> cool. I love that. CMS, your New Year's resolution.
1: Uh, start making some more money. That's, a, that's always a good one. And Dan, your New Year's resolution?
2: A little bit different than CMS. Start spending more money. I have a tendency to save too much and I'm going to spend more.
1: Interesting. Well, you're, you're okay. always welcome to send me some.
2: Okay, I'm taking
0: <laughs> donations. I'm taking donations. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah,
1: there we have it. We've solved your problem, Dan. Um, <laughs> so last, last rapid fire, cause we've run out of time, but let's, you guys tell us where you think the Cardinals will finish up in 2018 in the NL central starting with you,
3: Nate. Still second place behind the Cubs. They're still chasing. CMS. Uh,
0: I think that they take advantage of a Cubs' a slump in the middle of the season and they sort of slip through by a game or so and they take first place.
2: And Dan. Yeah, I'm with Nate. Second place, competing for a wild card.
1: And you guys, I'm actually going to go out on the limb here and say they're they're going to finish in first. I think it's going to go down to the wire. It's going to be a battle with the Cubs, but I think they're going to top them from all the reasons you guys have mentioned on this episode tonight, the better rotation, uh, having picked up better players. I just see them really holding on their chest the hurt of how the Cubs really showed them up for two seasons. I don't think they're going to let them show them up in, in their entirety For 2018. Now, uh, ask me again in in June or July, and and the story may be completely different. That being said, you guys, what a fantastic final show of the 2017 calendar year. I want to thank you for being on this episode and for being on all the episodes that you were on Uh, this year. We look forward to continuing season one when the calendar turns to 2018 for just a couple of months. Uh, and then pitchers and catchers will report, and we'll roll the clock over, and we'll start season two of our podcast. I want to do a quick plug for some things coming up at Redbird Rants. We are looking at adding a couple of really neat features for Redbird Rants going into 2018, one of them being a heavy emphasis on fantasy baseball, one of them also being some live chat. And that's something I know that's very near and dear to Dan's heart and others, and so we are pushing hard to get those things kicked off and going, probably around the time of spring training, and really kick off um, this, this next season of the St. Louis Cardinals and with us at Redbird Rants. So on behalf of Tito Rivera and myself, uh, the editors at Redbird Rants, and all of our fantastic writers, want to say thank you guys for being on this podcast, all the others. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our readers. Be sure to check us out at Redburgrants.com. Have a very happy, healthy, and safe New Year. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. Happy New Year, guys.
0: Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year.